0: Hey, welcome everyone to the Reflex Blue Show. I'm your host, Donovan Beery, recording live from the How Design Live conference once again in Boston, Massachusetts at the, we the Heinz Convention Center, is that? that what I hear? Yes, yes, Heinz Convention Center in Boston. Okay. And I've got Rania Sferano. Perfect. All right, I'm not going to say that again perfectly. <laughs> I mean, I can't That's even okay. pronounce my own name, so don't, don't.
1: That's sold. okay. It's okay. Thank you so much. And, and Rania, you're,
0: you're actually up, you actually drove in. From New York, you said, with what with the uh, Stephen Gates, the other one of the actually the opening keynote speaker.
1: Yes, yes. He's my mentor. Basically what happened is for some reason all flights were cancelled from New York the day before and I had to be here and I sent a panic message. It's like what happens? It's like, yep, join, you know, join me and my wife and let's drive. I was like, Okay, that sounds amazing. Join the party bus. And we made it last night, so it's great. I'm here.
0: Yeah, it's so weird because <laughs> last two years there was not a hard deadline on any place you had to go, mm-hmm. you know. So all of a sudden you're like, "What? I have to actually be somewhere to set time?" And it's it's, it's got to throw you off. It definitely throws you off.
1: And I mean, to, I used to fly all the time pre-COVID. It's a very consulting world I've been living in, and suddenly everything was oh, okay. I can have three p.m. here, three a.m. here. That's fine. And suddenly I have to check flights, I have to check in, I'm you know, clearly overboard with luggages, and it feels weird after two years. So it's, uh, yeah, it's not like riding a bike. I think a lot of us got unused to it. And now we're back to it again.
0: I, I think the thing <laughs> I got unused to is knowing yeah. what, 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 having any reference to real time. So when I say like, mm-hmm. you know, I was, the last How Conference I was at was, I mean, if I check my calendar, it says mm-hmm. four years, but I mean, it feels wow. like, it feels like a year, but it also feels like 30 years, so who knows?
1: That's where time got distorted for everybody, I think, the past two years, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's why birthdays don't count as well.
0: Oh! Yeah, they don't. So, so I'm either two years, or 40 years, or no. 10 years they younger They don't the past
1: two years, they're white. Nope, they don't count,
0: so you're good. Okay, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll take it. It's like being born on a leap year, where, where you know you you only count it every fourth year or something.
1: Yeah, I like that, I'll keep it. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, Rania, <laughs> where you're you're actually speaking here, mm-hmm. and, and by the way, this we're record, recording this on uh, Sunday, May twenty second, because mm-hmm. this is obviously well past by the yes. time anyone's listening to this. Okay. But you're actually speaking here in what about three three hours or so? Yeah, in
1: around two hours. What's and the
0: half? big talk about? What's the big talk about? So the talk is how to be a creative,
1: a resilient leader. I really love the topic of resilience and how it gets combined with the creatives because I think there is a very interesting mix there. And I basically gave a TEDx talk on creative and resilience four years ago. So it's been a topic I've been highly interested um, for the past four years.
0: And what's what's the big takeaway you want people to get from it?
1: Ooh, I have to give away the talk now, but okay. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's past, future, I'm whatever. Joking. like. The big takeaway that usually people think resilient, they think resilience and it's something like discipline, you know, you get that, ugh, really, do I need to be resilient? You know, there's a very distorted view of what resilience is, because it has been teamed up with burnout, you know, it's teamed up with like high achieving, but it's not that, it's not that. Resilience, it starts with self-care, actually, you know, I know it's self, it's not selfish, but it's about self-care to be able then to take everything else around you, being a great leader or being a great friend, being a great partner, whatever you wanna be. So it really is something that you can acquire and you're not born with it. So that's like kind of the summary. I wanna you know, make resilience more user friendly, let's say.
0: You know, cause when you say that you're not born with it, I would just think, mm-hmm. well, you always think like the resilient leader, they were just that's mm-hmm. just how they were. Mm-hmm. But you're telling me that that is not actually the case.
1: Never. Never. If somebody says that, probably they're lying or they don't expose themselves. Or or they're like me
0: and just still don't know what resilience is. Sure. So.
1: So the definition of resilience is that you bounce back from adversity. I like to simplify that. There is so much content out there and, you know, of course, research, papers, podcasts, that then you get confused. But really, resilience is that you bounce back from an adversity and the more you do it, the more it becomes like a muscle. That's why you see people that, you know, they had one setback, then a second, then a third, and it becomes easier for them. And the greatest example of thing resilience are elite athletes, because we have more visibility on elite athletes' careers, on like in a game. So we think that resilience is invisible, but the reality is that actually resilience is built behind the stage. You know, it's Yeah, because
0: even if they're not mm-hmm. every every athlete loses mm-hmm. games mm-hmm. Or, or has a bad thing. But even if they don't, they still have, I'm assuming, practices that we don't see where they they fail. You know, you, you, you hear you see these things where mm-hmm. top NBA players lose to some guy in a park every now and then. Yeah. It's not often, but, yeah. but it happens. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And that's where you there are so many amazing quotes out there that they say, yeah, the, the winning happens 5 a.m. like at the at the court. Or it happens, um, Muhammad Ali. I really, I know it's very cheesy to quote him, but it's true. He said, "I don't count when I start like doing like sit-ups. I count when it hurts." All those things, what happens behind the scenes, is I think what really builds resilience. But people get to see the shiny result. Usually, it's the shiny result we get to see, and not what happens behind the scenes. And I think that's where resilience really happens. And not many people talk about it.
0: So how does how does this translate into into like design leadership or? Or into mm-hmm. into like you know me opening up a Photoshop document. So let's
1: start with the fact that creatives are are already resilient by even choosing to be creatives, right? <laughs> sure, sure, okay. I say, will you pick something? So I I choose to be a designer since I was fifteen, right? Sure. Uh, so I decide to use something that you give me white paper and I create. I have to create something from nothing. What the heck, you know? So. Already we have a level of resilience as creatives that we give a mess and we need to create a sense or we give nothing and we need to create something. So we already have a level of resilience that, that we don't realize. So that's the number one thing that I found fascinating. And also some of the most creative people I know or creative leaders are the most resilient people. Their stories they have shared or the challenges they've had to overcome and including also part of my story and other stories I've heard, it's, it's crazy. So the reality is that the more creative you are, it means usually the more resilient you are.
0: Yeah, there's there there is a there is a lot of failure in this mm-hmm. industry. And I remember like Steve always. Hartman came through Nebraska years ago and mm-hmm. even talked about you show three samples. It, it's common. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. you don't always, but mm-hmm. you I'm sure you've when we show three samples. So even that he goes even even when it's complete success, you still took failure twice.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's where failure, you know, setbacks or challenges, oh, I I have a list. I don't even know where to start. It's what I think makes you more resilient. And by becoming more resilient, you become more creative. Like, I started as a graphic designer, right? Art. Let's start with art. I just loved art. And then I said, okay, I want to be a graphic designer. I was 15 years old. That was, I don't know, many years ago. And my parents were like, really? You could see the disappointment when I told them I wanted to be a graphic designer. <laughs> and my dad was like, by the way, I'm, I'm Greek, so very cultural that I had to become a lawyer or a doctor. So oh. you forgot to mention that part. Okay. <laughs> and my parents were like, but you're great at speaking. You should be a lawyer. And I was like, no, I want to be a designer. So the whole idea that I had to push for what I wanted started when I was 15, just to do what I wanted to do, right? And then from graphic design, there were friends that were telling me, I studied graphic design, why don't you do digital design, web design back then? I'm like, no, no, I'm graphic design, I'm not doing digital. Two years later, you see me doing digital user experience, user interface design, and what I'm saying, I kept like iterating, iterating. And that happened through resilience, that I tried one thing, I failed, then I tried, then it went well, and I tried again.
0: Well, well, I do mostly web, <laughs> so I know that the, the, the thing, because I'll teach it here and there, and, mm-hmm. and the thing I tell everyone is, like, you just have to get used to failing. Yeah. Like, like failing. you're going to, if you don't, like, have a finger on the command, you know, the undo button, like, at all times, mm-hmm. like, you're not doing web right or something. Like, it's just try something, undo. Try it again, undo. Try it again, undo.
1: Absolutely. And before softwares, because as a graphic designer, you're supposed to put that perfect piece of work together, <laughs> and there's no room for failure because this is what you're showing. But then when you go to digital, when things are moving, when people are gonna click all over the place and you don't know and they're gonna break it because people are trying to break your art, the whole mindset changes. I keep saying that graphic design to the interactive motion of designer, it's basically way more failure because people are just gonna to try to break what you've done.
0: Well, and even, <laughs> if they, even if they do it right, they view it on a monitor that's different than yours. Yeah,
1: exactly. I there mean, I go. remember going into some meeting that was
0: helping some people with some stuff and they just said, we want to control the size of the web browser. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. Let's
1: start. Let's start the conversation there. <laughs> Let's start. Let's start with the yeah. basics. Yeah. So that's kind of like where creative resilience came in. And then, you know, tapped like to the user experience side, the technology side. And more lately, actually, I've been working, I start working with AI design, whole new space, artificial, artificial intelligence design. And in the past, I would say, hey, hell no. Now I still say hell no, but I still do it. And that's where the resilient part you build upon comes in. You know, that you say, I'm going to try it, even if I know I'm going to fail. You know, just still give it a try. That's where I think it builds up, and then you become more creative, you try new things, more challenges, and that's how it also kind of stuck up
0: resilience. How do you work with user inner or artificial mm-hmm. intelligence in your design so that's where also there is a talk today yeah. <laughs> that it's happening mm-hmm. and, and you and by the way you work at you work at ibm yes so do. to let people know it's not it's not like you're at a three-person agency because that probably wouldn't <laughs> They'd be like we don't have the re- you 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 work at a company that has the resources to work in is what I'm, is what I'm saying.
1: Absolutely. So AI design is what I say it's going to be the UX in 20 years, you know, like UX was like a new thing 20 years, AI design is going to be a thing more of the norm in probably 10 years. And the interesting part is, yes, I am at IBM, so clearly we have access to the AI design and the framework, and there are a few companies that do that, and mainly it's in the States or, like, in Asia, where you see the pattern in AI, AI design. And that's where the interesting part comes in, because usually there's no interface, but there is, right? Siri, right? Like, let's start with... Okay, let's yes, we'll, Siri. Okay. and mm-hmm. by
0: the way, I think these things... Mm-hmm. Like, when I say you have access, maybe mm-hmm. in 10 years, little companies will have access, too, but right now, it's, you know, there is... Yes, yeah, that's kind
1: of, yeah. they will, and I'm gonna say that there are actually some amazing startups out there that have some amazing like machine learning. They have some like plugins. They have they're really work in some AI algorithms. So I think we're gonna see more and more of that. I think we're gonna see more and more like groups or startups or like oh you know three people coming together out of like university or anything and start building their own thing. So we're definitely I can see AI design getting democratized after a few years.
0: Okay, so let's go back. So you mm-hmm. said let's start with Siri.
1: Yes, this is an example because I got that question. Uh, I gave a lecture that was, what, in the NYU, and the course they had about a, uh, interaction design, and they asked me what happens to the interface. You know, you're a visual designer, how do you do that? It was like, well, Siri has a visual element. We don't really notice, but those colors, those, like, lines you see, and I know for some re- whatever reason, everything has to be circular, just because it feels more organic. That's a visual well, language. Apple
0: it needs to be circular, so we say yes.
1: Exactly. And to be honest, that's where you see the pattern. Or like watching, we have watching at IBM and we have a full like guidelines, it's called Watch Moments. There is a very talented team that works like on the brand guidelines, colors, how that meaning micro interactions are happening. So there are visual elements of how do you present AI to the world? Because unfortunately what happens in the movies, if we go back, AI is the bad guy. But that's not the case. AI is just this red light. <laughs> exactly. And it refers to
0: everyone as Dave
1: yes like i believe you know yes actually or dave believes. was the only one that
0: it kept alive <laughs> long enough to interact with yeah that's probably how it was something
1: yeah but that's kind of the way that ai has been portrayed throughout the years it has it's so different to what is or what it's going to be so i think we really need to soften up of how ai is being up it could be from the way you are going to interact with a chat agent right that is uh has ai algorithm or, you know, internet of things if we go there. So the way we start visual and AI, it really needs to be way more user-friendly because there is really,
0: people are scared around that. Okay, we're going to be right back Mm -hmm. with with Ronia. So do you, when you're talking about designing for AI, is it Mm -hmm. just that little, the little clip, the visual part, or are you talking about designing like the back end, like, if somebody talks to the ai how it responds back designing that part or is that is that in a different realm
1: so i touched upon the visual element because i do actually come from a visual design background that's what i'm interested in but ai designs a whole it's much much more and i'm learning actually from our distinguished designer from ibm who leads ibm ai design and that's where i'm also being mentored and learn more about it it's basically an ecosystem it's really about you have a human Building, building a relationship with a machine. That's really what it is. And think about when we have two people, right? So, hi, my name is Ryan. Hi, my name is Donovan. Okay, great. Mm, mm, okay, it seems like I uh, like the way you're talking. Let's grab a coffee. Great. So the way you even form a human relationship, and then, mm, okay, it's great. You know what? Let's meet other friends and do like a trip together. This is the same way, the same sequence you go and you want to build a relationship with a machine. So when somebody have a chat that says, okay, give me all your details right now, you feel intrusive. Because it's like a person comes to you and says, okay, give me your address, give me your date of birth, uh, give me your credit card. Oh, that
0: wasn't the way to introduce myself in the hallway then. I did that wrong. Okay, I got got what I understand.
1: (laughs) That was the right way, actually. (laughs) You
0: did it the right way.
1: But this is like where, you know, the human-machine relationship is build the fundamentals of human-to-human relationships. But usually we jump all the basics and we went to hi, my name is Ryan. I do let's spend five days like in a cabin in the woods. That's not how it works. And that's where you see a lot of the human-machine relationship getting broken, or people are afraid of it, or they feel it's intrusive. And we start calling it IBM augmented intelligence because we want to remove the word artificial. Because when people think artificial, They think something is scary. So that's kind of just a little bit about the ecosystem and what's, you know, been working on around ai design
0: i'm assuming when you went to your parents <laughs> yeah. you know and you're 15 and you say i want to be you know a graphic designer and they're already like why would you do that <laughs> now when you go back to your parents and you say i'm just like making the terminator like look friendly <laughs> do they do they do they be like hey that sounds good now or, are, are they still involved so my dad basically
1: sometimes texts me uh they live in greece all my family and friends like Rania. They still ask me, I still don't know what you're doing. <laughs> they ask me, everybody's like, oh, we see Ryan, he's, he's doing things like, I don't know, he's doing something with design at IBM. Like, So I think my part is they're still trying to figure out, but they know I'm on the good side. So okay. I told them I'm the good guy. I'm the guy who's trying to make things friendlier and easier to use. So I was like, okay, I kind of get that. Right. <laughs> so that's enough for them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and and I have okay. seen, and, and even even like the I know like you, you go to websites and there's chat bots, mm-hmm. and I've noticed those have gotten a lot better even over the years. Mm-hmm. I think I think last week I had to use one, and, I, and the minute it started chatting, I was like, oh great, it's a bot, mm-hmm. and I was like immediately like, oh. but yeah. I will say that the, mm-hmm. it led me immediately to the answer I needed, and I was like, oh, go. they've gotten better.
1: So that was a successful one.
0: Yes. Yes, and they will get better
1: because as everything, AI machine learning is about learning, learning the human behavior, learning what works and what doesn't. But what you said is what happens to most people, even me. You see a child where you're like, okay, no, 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 retreat. I don't want to be there. But when it solves the issue you have, then you're like, oh, okay, that did not took like five hours yelling at the phone. That's where really part of the technologies come uh, to solve things. Like I love, for example, personally the Delta assistant on message. There are times I'm gonna message all the time. 90% of the times I'll get my thing solved. And I I don't know the team or anything, it's just generally as a customer. 90% I get my issue solved. And I know they're really invest on this, for example. Or other issues like with airlines, traveling,
0: health, healthcare. There's so many ways I can really be useful if we do it right. Yeah, and and I assume it means that you have to, it probably helps that they, I'm assuming 95% of Mm -hmm. their issues are probably five things when you're dealing with like an airline. So they can.
1: Yes, exactly. But I'm
0: assuming the design aspect too is to be like, we need to keep focused on just those five things because Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's someone else over in marketing that's like, hey, what if you start throwing these in there? And they're like, you're going to ruin it. Yep, yep. And that's. That's always a challenge of designers, right? From it started
1: back in the years, make the logo bigger, right? I yeah. mean that's a very classic. A couple example more banner ads. A few more things. Who needs white space? I actually had that two years ago, that comment. Who needs white space? Add more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's start again. So there are some things that never change, or like in this case, where we talk about also you know, there's also voice UX coming in. You know, you have AI design. All of these dimensions start coming in, it's gonna become even more complicated. But the problems are still gonna be the same. So that's a very interesting paradox on design. Okay.
0: And how long have you been at IBM now? So
1: I've been now almost seven years. I started in September 2015 in London. That's when I joined them. Okay. They had just opened their studio. I had work experience before agency. I was an agency person. And it seemed very promising. I'm glad I took the decision because it brought me to the states, and I'm still here. So sure, yeah, uh, it's been seven years. What was it? What was the move that said that you said, "Hey, I I need to move to the states." So that's an interesting one, and I'm sharing it later in my talk. Uh, it it only took a cup of coffee. That's how it started. I always say, if somebody tells, "Let's go for a coffee," you don't know in which con is going to take you. So have that yes. coffee. I had a chat with one of the executives of the company, and I had a chat, and anyway, it's not really a question somebody asks you when you go for just a casual coffee during working hours, and he's like, Ryan, if there was anything in the world, what would you like to do? Like, that's Paul for a 12 p.m. coffee. Yeah. Long story. I know, right? Who, who asked you that? But he was like, no, no, I just want you to think ahead. So one lesson is like, and things were going great. When things go great, apparently you need to think of your next, uh, of your next step. And that night I went back home and I'm like, you know, when you, somebody puts that seat on your mind, I was like, I don't know, what would I do? And I was movie, and New York was the background. I've never been New York, by the way, until that point. And I was like, oh, that's, that looks cool. They look fun. Why don't I go to New York? No clue about New York. Nobody, sure. I know, nobody in the States. And I go the next day and I tell him, I know what I want to do. I was like, what is, it? I want to go in the States. It's like, okay, that's bold. I was like, okay, go for it. And that's how the whole thing started. Oh. That's really how it started. And
0: then you came here and you're like, your coffee is terrible. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that, but really, I'm always trying to find European coffee shops. <laughs> I don't even drink coffee, so, so I think it's all terrible, but that's just me, so don't. But, but, I, but, I, but I know that like, Greece is known for, like that's one of the things you're known for, isn't it?
1: I mean, I hope we're known for more
0: things. No, one of them. <laughs> I'm joking. One of them. Yes, many.
1: yes. Coffee and Italian coffee, of course. I do like my cup of coffee. But when I went to England, of course, everybody was drinking tea. So I was like, okay, I'm going to come for tea time, too. So I adjust the cultures, okay. you know. And here, what is it here? Drip coffee, you know,
0: I guess. I, I, as I said, I, <laughs> you are asking the wrong person on this one. <laughs> You know, I mean, I I am I am not, I cannot tell you. That's okay, but it's it's My wife definitely, tries definitely to get adjusted. me to drink coffee so uh-huh. that then I will, you know, be more into it when, so I can, I think, get her more coffee is kind of what the deal is. That's
1: very healthy though. I don't know, I tried to go without coffee for two weeks and that was it, I couldn't do more.
0: Yeah. So
1: so yeah, and that's, that's what I'm saying, you never know. It took, the process, by the way, did took one year. So, you know, from the moment I said it to the
0: moment it actually happened, because it's a process. They didn't just, Shipping out like uh, it no, wasn't another uh, it. oh here's your plane ticket and you're like this is in an hour
1: that would be great yeah. but no because you have to deal with us immigration which uh, is a whole other episode okay. of how to do it but after you do it it takes a year yes that's when you landed okay and uh, no, it's been great. I I would do it. I don't know if I would do it again, but I definitely don't regret it. So I love it.
0: Well, you don't have to do it again. You've already done it. Mm,
1: oh no, I had to file for an extension, so oh, I actually geez, did, did do it again. Okay. Yes, and it got approved uh, four weeks ago. So I got more time. <laughs> All right, we're gonna be right back. So you said you're moving to Miami next? Yes, I do. Oh, geez. Yes, I know. But I don't want to get the blame because I know there's so many articles out there, New Yorkers fleeing to Miami, you know, gaining the rents up. I'm not a New Yorker, so.
0: Oh, so I I don't know. (laughs) All I know is the whole nationwide, the whole rent's gone crazy.
1: It has, because unfortunately we have inflation, and not just here, everywhere. In Greece, my parents called me from Greece to complain about that. It's like, what are you guys doing there? I was like, why are you calling me to tell me what I'm doing here? Right. That affects back in Greece. It's, it's just so bizarre. Right. And, somebody and, needs to blame somebody. And you individually
0: are responsible for all of it, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, and it's like, yeah, you know, this has happened. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not in the politics, Mom. I work in design. But, you know, it's everywhere. The whole rent there,
0: situation. I think there's also where things get... Things become the big story and then everyone mm-hmm. wants to talk about it and mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we're talking about now i'm not saying it doesn't exist but it, mm-hmm. it it's being heavily amplified regardless
1: it is and if you think about i mean you know of course we're still going through a pandemic we're not over but there's so much stuff happening around the world that if you just process everything it's too much i don't watch the news people think crazy when i say that i don't watch the news i never did my parents thought i was weird and they were trying to force me to watch the news with dinner like 8 8 p.m and I just don't read the news, unless it's something important, I know it's gonna reach my ears, so clearly on my subject, I'm gonna know what's happening, but I don't watch the news, I don't read the news and people think, but you know what, I'm an optimist, so it works, (laughs) it works. When somebody's telling me this happened and this happened and this happened, I was like, okay, like, okay. And they're stressed, of course, because when you read the news and when you see what's happening, just see the news in New York, Cause i've been in new york three years and i went through the whole pandemic there is like just to watch the news in three hours it can stretch you for a lifetime and i'm like i don't need this <laughs> so i muted everything
0: i'm not saying not to watch the news or not to keep up on things but but you don't have to keep up on everything exactly. i mean you can't That's keep up i mean, on, I mean you, you physically can't keep up on everything no it's impossible it's impossible so, i mean you can't even keep up with all the trends and design
1: Yes, and that's another interesting part with trends of design because the moment you're like, oh, I know that trend then something else is going to come up. And I'm not even going into tooling. I think Stefan said this morning that somebody has to experience five years on Figma. Figma exists three years. Tools change almost every year for two years. So if somebody get hung up like, oh, I'm the master of this tool and this is how it's going to
0: be the next 10 years, 90% is not going to work.
1: I used to work on Flash for the people who remember the Flash uh, animation.
0: I, I did a little bit of Flash, not, not a lot. <laughs> I, I never like dedicated myself to but we had clients always ask and then yeah and then and then you'd be like I knew it was never going to be what I did but I had to do some of it
1: yeah yeah tools change so fast trends the reason they call trends is like fashion they're trends so I say stick to the fundamentals the basic principles of, so let's say design or something because whatever comes along UX design UX voice design AI design whatever the heck we have in the future the fundamentals stay the same, so that's very interesting.
0: right. It may be a circle today and a square tomorrow, but the idea behind it will be
1: exactly yeah exactly. So I never get hung up too much on the tools
0: i i have to I have to teach I teach mm-hmm. a night class, and um mm-hmm. was it last quarter I was teaching mm-hmm. like indesign, but I, I tell yeah. everyone when I teach this stuff it's like it's like these things are not going to be the same. Like, mm-hmm. Every every program I learned in college is either drastically different or is not what I lo- or is not used at all. Oh, for sure. I have
1: a fun fact. When I so when I left Athens to go and study design, I studied actually in the UK, North England. I went to study. I was seventeen, and I had to do foundation art design because I was I was under eighteen, so they didn't let me. Okay. So I saw the first Mac ever in my life when I went to England, and I was seventeen. <laughs> I'll never forget. I'm sitting there. I'm looking at it. People say like, "Are you okay?" I was like, "How do you open this?" <laughs> I am not kidding you." And everybody's like, "Where did you come from?" And I'm like and then they showed me because it was clear back then when it was seen I was like, "Oh okay, so that was literally me 17 trying to even you know see my first Mac or open whatever it was the Adobe Street or 3 back then. So we've come a long way, and now people that go to college they need to know 10, 20 tools already it's It's way too intense so We've made things way too intense for new designers.
0: I think certain things, like, well, with websites, I tell everyone also, like, certain things have become easier because there's just tools where it's like, you want to do this feature. and exactly. you, it's, it's just pre-built now. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and before that was a lot of work. But there's so many things that now are expected. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, th- I think the, the amount that is expected is more, but each element, some of them are easier than they were. Yeah, I can so I don't you. know if it's harder or easier in my in my mind.
1: It is, I guess that's another paradox, but I see that junior designer today versus let's say when I was a junior designer, the expectations are so different.
0: Oh I got so
1: you. different. That's why in terms of the expectations and how like we have all like raised the bar more and more and more and more for juniors, like they're not even juniors anymore, you know, it's this kind of irony. So yeah, but it's exciting, you know, tools are gonna change, things are gonna change. So what's the design. advice you'd
0: give to somebody that was hoping to be a junior designer? Or whatever the title is for that now?
1: Don't get intimidated, but what you're reading, job descriptions and what they're asking, that would be my first thing. And two tools change. Yes, learn a tool, do what you gotta do, but for me the soft skills are the ones that are gonna take you a long way.
0: So that would be that would be my advice. Okay. Well, well, Rania, we really appreciate your time. Thank Um, you. Where do people go to find more about about you or or information or where do they look you up? Where do you like people to follow you, Instagram, Twitter? I don't know. Sure,
1: sure. I mean, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn are the ones I'm using the most. I'm not that heavy on Twitter, but it seems like I have I, I, to. Start. Well, I always ask. And people, <laughs> if
0: people go searching, like, you For know, sure. they might hopefully at least search in the right spot.
1: So. Yeah, absolutely. LinkedIn, Instagram are the ones I'm using the most. So that would be
0: great. Feel free. Ping me, you know, send me a message. Okay, R A N I A S V O R O N O U. So All right. Thank you so much. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Miri is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dust Lab.